0: Well, welcome to week number one of our series, Christmas at His Place. And this is a series that we're going to continue all the way through Christmas Eve service, which is 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And just in case you forgot, it's December 24th. Amen? That's Christmas Eve. And so we we hope if you're in town, you'll actually come uh, worship with us. We'll have a wonderful service that night, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. You know, Christmas Christmas is a great time of year, right? It's a great time of year for retailers, they get to sell stuff to you, right? It's a great time of year for kids. Why? Because you're going to get some presents, right? Uh, it's a great time for families who get to welcome maybe their children who've been living out of town, home. And so it's that's always fun. But actually, Christmas is really tough for a lot of people. It's a hard season. And, and you know, just think about the retail workers. You're enjoying shopping, but they're working all kind of crazy hours. And they don't get to spend time with their families to make, like maybe they want to. Um, can also be tough because some of you're trying to plan Christmas gatherings and the reality is, you know, this person can come this time and this person can't come until the other time and and you're trying to piece it all together and so it can it can be tough and so I don't know about you but I've experienced some some Christmas seasons where uh, I haven't had much Christmas joy. In fact, my wife has has sometimes called me the Christmas Grinch. You know? I'm just not very happy, you know, I don't like it. But I've really helped myself out a lot uh, over the last few years. When, when our kids were younger, you know, we did the whole tree and the decorations, the big tree, and our son was allergic to the real one, so we got the fake one, and, and that, was a, that was good progress. You didn't have to try to get it home, you know. That was a big thing. And then we've t- I've taken it to a whole nother level. When the kids moved out, we bought a Christmas tree about this big. And we decorated it because just the way our den set out, you know, it, it was there. And so now after Christmas is over, I just pick up that tree and I carry it up into the guest bedroom and I set it there. And then next year when it gets time for Christmas time, I go up there and I grab that tree and I carry it down. And I have so much Christmas joy because I don't have to decorate a tree. Come on. Can I get a witness? Anybody like that out there? Amen. You know. but. Uh, but you know, if I'm honest, if you're honest, there's probably been some times that it was really tough around Christmas time. It's really a difficult thing. And, and you know, I think the Holy Spirit really wants us to experience Christmas joy not only at Christmas time, but really all year long. He wants to allow us to, to have that joy and work in us to have that joy. I want you to think about your past, this past week. I want you to pick out a memorable day. Maybe it was a great day. Maybe it was a terrible day, but you remember that day very well. I would almost bet that whether it was a good day or a bad day depends on what happened that day, the circumstances of that day, right? If something went wrong, not like you wanted, not like you expected, well, then then it was what? A bad day. If you had something great happen, then then it was probably a good day and so what 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 really we see oftentimes for most of us is how we would describe a day is just really based on our circumstances in other words we get our happiness from circumstances it's just where you know if it was a if it was a good day then then you know we 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 think our, we're happy for some of us you know if we've got money if we've got food remember the old commercial if you got milk right? You're happy. You know, it's like you're just happy, happy, happy. It's just a great day. You know, maybe you got your morning coffee, whatever it was, just these little circumstances made it a great day. And so when things go right, we're very happy. But what happens on those other days? I don't know if you've noticed it, but it seems like oftentimes there's more of those other days than there are the happy days. And those other days when things don't go like we wanted, and they don't go like we planned, and and then we we have a bad day, and then pretty soon we have another bad day, and pretty soon before we know it, we're in, we're just miserable because we've now strung together a few of those bad days, and we're we're just kind of trapped in this 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 misery kind of time frame in our lives. I had kind of that happen a little bit just in in one moment last Sunday. Last Sunday I came back after. Uh, services, and, and did what I needed to do, and got home, and, and uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do when I get home is is to get in, what are we going to get in the recliner? Anybody like a recliner? I like to get in recliner, and I put my feet up, and, and I was just getting comfortable, you know, it was just going to be a great few hours, just resting a little bit, and then all of a sudden, Kim says, hey, Doug, this is the last day of a sale, and I've got some stuff in the cart, and we need to order it. Can can you help me with that? Let's do that. And you know, in my head, I'm like, no, I just got here. But you know what? And husbands, you know this. You put on the happy face. (laughs) And you decide you're going to keep your mouth shut. And you're going to smile because you get to get up and serve your family. And so I was doing really good. I, you know, I was just doing wonderful at that. And we got up, got to the computer. And then I had, uh, where were we ordering from? We had, we had a card, a gift card. And so so it says you can either scratch it off with the coin or you can tear it off. I said, I don't want all that little coin mess. I'm going to tear it off. So when I tore it off, I tore half of the coat off. I was not happy. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was impatient. Right? I even said a few things that I shouldn't have said. Why? Because I let the circumstances determine my level of happiness. I just lived out of that. But here's what I want to tell you today. Happiness is great when things go well. But it is possible to live above circumstances and have joy when things do not go well. I want to tell you today, joy is better than happiness. It really is better than happiness. Why? Because joy lasts longer. Joy comes from a deeper place. And joy is not dependent on what happened that day. It comes from a totally different place. Where does joy come from? Joy comes from our Jesus connection. It comes from being connected to Jesus. So in the middle of the great gift card crisis of 2019, I had a thought. I don't want to be disconnected from Jesus over my attitude. I don't want to get disconnected from Kim over my attitude. And so we just didn't order that person the Christmas gift. No, I'm kidding. That's not what we did. I got my attitude right. And so I said, you know, it's more important that, that I do this right. And so I I apologized to Kim. I repented to the Lord, and we had a great rest of the evening, in spite of the fact that that thing had happened. Amen. And so so it, we can get to joy. Here's what Galatians five twenty two says. It's not in your notes, but it says the but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, or a byproduct, or a, or a, a benefit of, of being connected to the Lord in our lives. One of those things listed there is joy. Everyone say joy. Joy is not based on the external circumstances. Joy is not based on what's going on around us. Joy is internal. It comes and is available through our connection with Jesus. And so here's the thing we've got to understand. If we're connected to Jesus, joy is always available to us. The problem is, and most of you are probably Christ followers and believers today, you you have that joy on the inside of you, but it's hard to tap into. So I want to help us tap into that joy this morning because I believe it can change our lives. So let's look at the birth of Jesus. And actually, just before the verse we're about to read, Jesus was born. And the Bible describes it there in Luke 2, but let's pick it up in verse 8. So this was after Jesus was born. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Let's stop there. Why were they guarding their flocks of sheep? Because they needed to guard them from something, right? Probably animals or prey, or maybe someone was you know going to come and, and steal them. So these shepherds, they knew it was part of their life. They knew that, that somebody would have to be up at night. But think about the ones that were up at night. I mean, maybe they'd gotten the short end of the straw. Maybe they would got the short stick, and they, and they were like, you know, I don't want to be up tonight. Out here, middle of the night, you got to be up. I don't know about you, but I don't like being up all night. Night's for sleeping. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let's be up in the daytime and, and then uh, sleep at night. So they may have had that kind of attitude going on, but look what happened. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. By the way, that didn't happen every night when you're shepherding, right? So it was different. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news. Let's stop right there. I bring you good news. So, so what was the good news? When we read the future scriptures there, the, the next scriptures, we'll see that it was about, they were telling, that the angel was telling the shepherds that Jesus had just been born. So, let, let's summarize it this way. We can see that the birth of Jesus is good news. It's good news. It was good news for the shepherds. It was good news for every previous generation. And it's good news for us. Why? Because the birth of Jesus, and this is just one reason, but the birth of Jesus, the only Son of God, proved that the entire Old Testament was true. Everything in the Old Testament. Was true, you say. Why is that, Pastor? Well, the Old Testament contains over three hundred prophecies that were written hundreds of years before Jesus came on Earth, and and they foretold different things about His birth, His life, His death, and even His resurrection. And so, those prophecies were being fulfilled as Jesus lived His life. Three hundred of them. I, here's what I want you to think about: What are the odds of one person fulfilling? Even eight prophecies, just eight, that were given hundreds of years before. Well, some mathematicians have studied this, and they say that the probability of that happening is one in one quadrillion. You say, you know, I was just thinking about quadrillion the other day. No, you weren't. What's a quadrillion? It's, it's three more zeros than, than, a, than a trillion. Okay, it's 10 to the 17th power. There's 17 zeros after that one. That's a quadrillion. So there's one chance in one one in a quadrillion that G, that somebody could fulfill eight prophecies. You say I, I can't even get my head around that. Let me help you. If you took a silver dollar and you marked it, and you spread silver dollars over the state of Texas, two feet deep, and stirred it all up and then told somebody, go find the marked silver dollar, the chances of that person finding that silver dollar is one in one quadrillion. For eight prophecies. Well, what about 48? The chance of some person fulfilling just 48 of the 300 prophecies is 10 to the 157th power. 157 zeros, that's a big number. Scientists estimate that there's only 10 to the 66th power of atoms in the universe. So it's just like no chance. So what's the chance of one person, one man, one son of God fulfilling 300 prophecies? Only Jesus. The chance of that happening is only Jesus could, could have that to happen. So here's what you've got to understand. God can be trusted. What he said in the Old Testament Is true. Then then the angel goes on. He said, "This I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people." So good news that's bringing great joy. What's that news? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So the good news is that God keeps His promises about Jesus. But why is it that it will it will bring us great joy? It's because they were announcing the birth of the long-awaited Messiah. The Messiah, the promised Son of God. So we could say it this way, the death and resurrection of Jesus brings great joy. Because the concept of the Messiah was all about saving the the people and and, and redeeming them. They didn't understand it, but it was about uh, uh, several things. And so let's understand it. So why was the death and resurrection of Jesus bringing great joy because Jesus took the penalty of sin. Jesus took the penalty of sin sin must be paid for so what's what's the what's the penalty for sin Romans 6:23 says it this way for the wages of sin is death. what does that mean there that means spiritual death it, it, spiritual death means no relationship with God now and for eternity and by the way once you die, You're locked into that spiritual death. The only time you have a choice is here on earth. So the wages of sin is that spiritual death. But the free gift of God, look at this, is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So God said, this is a problem. I don't want people locked in spiritual death so I'm going to foretell that this this son of mine is going to come with 300 some prophecies. I'm going to fulfill them, prove my word is true, and I'm going to send him because I love people so much that he's going to be born, he's going to live a sinless life, he's going to die on the cross, he's going to be resurrected from the dead, and he's going to be with me helping them have victory in their life even through the even though even as through the resurrection he shows his dominion over death itself. I don't know about you, but that brings me joy. Even if you've been the only one on the earth, God would have sent Jesus for you. He loved you that much. So that's great joy. Another thing, another reason why the death and resurrection of Jesus brings great joy is that Jesus provides our connection to God. Without Jesus, there's no connection to God. Only when we surrender our lives to Jesus and accept Him by faith, is that penalty of sin taken away, and we now have a relationship, we're connected with God. Listen to what Jesus says years later to one of His disciples in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now it's popular in our society to say that there's many ways to God, but Jesus says this in direct contrast. He said, no, there's only one way to God, and that's through me. There's only one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So to have a connection, you may have a connection to something, but it's not God, unless you have Jesus as your Savior. So it has to go through Jesus. How do we get that connection? Again, personally surrendering our lives to Jesus. So let's assume most of you have made that decision. You've given your life to Jesus. How How do we live out of this great joy? How do we live out of the fact that, man, he paid the price for the worst thing that I could ever experience in life, and that's separation from God. Well, let me give you several thoughts. First of all, joy is released as we trust God. Joy is released as we trust God. So we trust God really, first of all, by putting our faith and trust that what he said about Jesus is true. He is the Messiah. We're gonna ask him to forgive our sins. We're gonna surrender our lives to him. That's one way. But let me let me let me show something else, just as a reminder show you one of the prophecies. One of the prophecies that was given hundreds of years before Jesus was born is recorded in Micah 5.2. And there, at that time, it was just a small village. And here's what the prophet said, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Isn't that awesome? He's, he said, I, you, this little town is going to be the source. Not, not Jerusalem, which is where the power was at. It's going to be this little town of Bethlehem. That's where I'm going to send my son. I'm going to keep my promise. So here's the thing. If God's promises can be trusted for the Old Testament and God's promises can be trusted for Jesus, can't God's promises be trusted for every one of us? We can trust Him. We can trust Him with our past. We can trust Him with our failures. We can trust Him with our uncertainties. We can trust Him in those next steps that we know God is dealing with us to take, but we haven't figured out how to take it. We actually haven't had the courage to take it because we don't know if we trust God. But you can trust Him. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5-7. Give all your worries and cares to God. Now there's some we typically don't give to God. The ones that we think we can handle. God, I got this. You know, you, don't worry about this one. I know you got, you're got you worrying about Pastor Doug's worries or you're caring for Pastor Doug's stuff. Now, I'm not going to share this. No, 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 no. No, He wants us to cast all our worries, all our cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. How do you know? He sent Jesus. He kept His promises. Amen. So joy is released. As we trust God. We've got to to continue to say, God, as things come up in our lives and uncertainties happen, we've got to say, God, I'm going to trust you for this next step. I would encourage you to make it a specific, willful choice of your will. God, I'm going to trust you in this. I don't understand it. I haven't got it all figured out, but I'm going to trust you in this. And what you're going to find as you do that and cast all those cares upon him, you're going to begin to experience new joy. Here's another thing we learned about joy. Joy is expressed in praise to God. In Luke chapter two, verses twelve through nineteen, we read uh, in these intervening verses how other angels appeared and they were praising God and glorifying God and magnifying God, and it was it was quite a worship service. And so that was happening, and then then those those shepherds who had been guarding the flock, because they had to guard the flock, they trusted God. And what did they do? They left the flock to go see Jesus. The Bible records in that passage that they found him exactly like the angel had said. Then notice what happens in verse 20. The shepherds went back to their flocks. You probably couldn't have gotten a shepherd to leave their flocks for any other reason than that Jesus was born and so they trusted him with their flocks they went to see Jesus and when they came back they must have been every, everything must have been all right cuz nothing was recorded in scripture it says they they went back to their flocks not praising God for the for the fact that the flock was good although it probably was but they were glorifying praising God for all they had heard and seen it was just as the angel had told them. They praised God. They, exp- they they gave that praise in God. See, when we begin, see what happens for many of us, and you've probably experienced it in a worship service. You come in and you come in thinking about what happened last week, what you got to do this week, what the kids did on the way here, what you got to do after church is over, and you have all these weights on you. Some of you even... Even, you know, make the choice to have some arguments and fussing with your spouse and your kids on the way to church. And then you get out of the car and put your Jesus face on. and Everything's just fine today. I love Jesus. Then you get in the service and you're like, you know, I can't even get my hands off the chair in front of me. I'm just, oh, I just made it here. You know what that is? That's all those weights and burdens of our lives that we haven't given to Jesus. And one of the things we can do is we can make a conscious decision in that moment. God, I'm going to cast all that care upon you. Here's what I know. If I put a 50-pound weight on all of your backs, you know, you'd be laboring under that. But all you ha- you, you, it doesn't make you any stronger not to have the weight, but because the weight's not there, all of a sudden you feel stronger. And the same thing is true with our worries and our cares. If we'll just if, if we'll just give them to God, then we'll be able to praise and we'll be able to worship because we're not carrying Him anymore. He's carrying them. He's, he's uh, got the weight of all of that on Himself. Amen? So then what we can do is we can praise and glorify God, not just for what's happened, but for what's going to happen. It's a powerful pr- principle in our lives. So don't forget to praise God. Sunday services are a great rehearsal for the rest of your week when you give something to God and just take a moment to praise Him. Here's the third thing I want to share about joy. Joy overflows as we remain connected to Jesus. There's a powerful passage here that I'm going to read to you in just a moment where Jesus later was talking as he grew up and began his earthly ministry, he began talking to the disciples and explaining not just how to have joy, but how to have overflowing joy. And he uses a phrase over and over again, and you're going to see it here as we go through John 15, verses 1 through 11. He says, I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Sometimes God's cutting things out of your life and you don't like it, but God's getting you, getting you ready for the next level. Amen? He says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. That's The Word of God does that work if we'll let it. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. So when we don't feel like we're close to God, I just want to remind us, it's not God who moves. We stopped remaining. We stopped staying in that relationship. We we disconnected. God didn't disconnect. Have you noticed in, in, in tree pruning, the tree never disconnects from the branches. The branches are disconnected from the tree. From the from the the, the the, the stump, the root, you know, all of that. So we've got to understand that. Now look, it says, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Look at this, those who remain in me. In other words, think about this. You're, you're. Some of you are going through some stuff what you're tempted to do is you're tempted to disconnect and say, you know, I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if he's going to come through for me. I don't know how this is going to turn out. And you begin to kind of pull away. And he's saying here, remain in me. Those who remain in me and I in them, he's not going anywhere. If you remain in him, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Now, Don't most of us really, if we're really being truly honest, think apart from Jesus, we can do a little? I can get some of this figured out. I can do a little of this on my own. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you're severed, if you're not connected to me, there's nothing you can do. It's just like you're cutting a branch off a tree. Once that branch is cut, it's over for the branch. Right? And so he's saying, remain, stay with me. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Not his choice, yours. For such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Well, what do you ask for? You ask for things according to God's word. The anything, it's understood that it's according to God's word and God's will. God's will is God's word. It's all one and the same. Old Testament, New Testament. When people write a will, what is it? Your last will and testament. Same thing. So the God's word is God's will. So what does the Bible say? Pray for that. Then it says, when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Look at what he says now. Not just remain in me, but remain in my love. So not just remain in him, but remain in his love. How? When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Now some of you heard that and you said, oh boy, I've got to remain in his love. I gotta obey these commandments. There's some commandments I don't want to obey. I just I just don't want to do this, but I guess I have to. You're missing the whole point. We get to. We don't have to. God's not gonna make you. You get to. He's inviting you into a relationship where if you stay connected and you remain connected, there is some great things coming. He says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. Jesus had a will too. Jesus could have said, I'm not going to the cross for those people. They're not worth it. But He said, no, I I know it's the will of the Father. I'm going to submit my will to the Father's will. He's under authority, just like He asks us to be under authority to Him and do His will. So that we can, it's for our own good. He said, look at this. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Not just on Sunday morning during service. Filled with my joy. When? All week long. Every single day. When circumstances are good. When the code tears off the back of the the, the gift card. Right? The little things. Aren't the little things sometimes the worst things? Right? We do, We just got all in the middle that we can remain in His joy. Now look at this. Yes, your joy will overflow. That's where I want to be. That's right. And I'm not. I'm not praying God to you know have a bunch of circumstances have, happen so you can prove that life will do that on its own, right? But we want to. We want to remain. We want to. We want to let that joy overflow. So once we've given our life to Jesus, we we just keep remaining in Him. I'm not gonna let this circumstance, I'm not gonna let this problem, I'm not gonna let this thing that I don't know about get me disconnected from Jesus. Amen. So you say, Pastor, how, how do I do this in my life? Well, we you know, we talk about reading the Bible and praying and all of that, but we say it this way around here. We want to we want you to keep growing in, in your ability and your knowledge of God. We that you know God more, not just more about him, but you actually know him. Because like how do you know God? Well, you trusted Him and He came through, or you trusted Him, and He didn't come through the way you expected, but He came through in an amazing way. You just tr- you found Him to be, and you just know Him better and better. So that's knowing God. Then, then finding freedom. You, you you find freedom as you get in small groups, and 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 as we we have groups coming in the spring, more groups, and and you'll just be able to get in a group and just get to find freedom, get free of some things in your life. We yesterday. We had the freedom conference, and it was it was a great day. People got all kinds of tremendous freedom in their life. And so, some point in your journey here to His place, I just encourage you get in a freedom group and let God set you free of a whole bunch of stuff, and then discover purpose. How do we do that? Through Growth Track today, after this service, immediately after, you can go to Growth Track and discover your design. How God wired you with a personality, and He gave you spiritual gifts, and those things are all intended to prepare you for what His purpose is for your life. And then as we join together and serve, then we make a difference in the earth today. That's that's a plan that you can live out week to week, month to month, that keeps you connected to God and allows you to have joy and be around people who are hopefully helping you to choose that joy in your life. Now, some of us have a real hard time receiving that joy because we want it to go perfectly. You don't have to raise your hand, but how I many you know some of us are perfectionists, recovering perfectionists. We, we're, we're not going to have any joy unless it turns out exactly like we want it. But here's the thing we all know, life's not perfect. So some of us, when it doesn't turn out perfectly, we just we just say, oh, I'm not going to have any kind of joy. I'm not I, in fact, some of us even disconnect from God because we're mad at God in that moment. So I want to teach you something else this morning. I want you to learn the joy of progress. I want you to understand that you can celebrate even if it doesn't turn out perfectly. So how do we experience joy? We celebrate progress. Some of you had a goal at the beginning of this year to lose 10 pounds and you're down two and you're miserable and you're eating more because you can't believe you worked all year to be down two pounds. How about flipping it and say, praise God, I'm down two pounds, right? You know, I I think my goal was probably closer to 20. I've only gained five. Come on. It's not all bad, right? You know, I could have gained 10, right? So we just got to have that mindset. And and here's the thing that really keeps us from, from celebrating progress. Comparison. Comparison will steal your joy faster than anything else. You can be having a perfectly great day and then you notice that that person that you can't believe they've gotten this far in life, they're driving the vehicle you always wanted to drive, they're doing the thing you always wanted to do, and then if, if that doesn't happen, you just open social media. And there it all is. Everybody's posting their greatest day and your day is the worst day. Right? And that comparison really gets us in trouble. Look at Luke 2.7. Speaking of Mary, She gave birth to her firstborn son, It was Jesus. She wrapped him snugly in the strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I had this thought. The humble birth of Jesus is in direct contrast to the spirit of comparison. If Jesus wanted to show up the world, if God wanted to show up the world, He would have sent Jesus to be born in the swankiest of swankiest places they had in Jerusalem, and all the rich people would have said, now this king knows how to throw a party. And God did the very opposite. He really was born in a barn. He was laid in a manger. And it reminds us That just because your place is very humble today and your circumstances are not very great, it reminds us that it does not mean that God does not have great things for you. No one who would have seen Jesus in the manger unless they knew Bible prophecy would have said, man, this baby is going to change the world. But the reality was, even though they didn't know it, even though they didn't recognize it, He was and He would change the world so don't let that get in your head don't let that comparison work that way in your life let let God help you to celebrate progress so in that spirit of celebrating progress I want to celebrate the progress of his place this year can I share some things that we would we celebrate as a as a leader team and and we're I want to share those with you and so we'll just wrap them around our our what we call our big four the first one is knowing God we had 49 people this year so far, who have made a decision to give their life to Jesus. Can we celebrate that? Amen. Now, we're not comparing, okay? I'm thrilled with that. We're not comparing. But I want you to know, because you probably don't know, that's ten times the national average for churches our size. That's pretty good. Amen? So, so we can celebrate. People are getting saved. One of the stories that I love is, and there's many stories, but, but one of them is this there's a, there's a young lady who's, who's been coming to the church, and when she came to his place, she knew nothing about Jesus, nothing about the Bible, did not know Bible stories, did not know any of that. Some of you may say, "Oh, that's, that, I'm, the, I'm there too. That's great. This is why we do church the way we do. And so she came in. She experienced the love of Jesus here. It's the connection with other people. And so she gave her life to Jesus. And then she decided to be water baptized. And then she came through growth track, and she discovered her purpose and and her, her gifts and all of that. And now she's serving on the dream team. And not only is her spiritual life radically different than just a few months ago, but also her natural life is beginning to change, and God's beginning to do amazing things in her life. Isn't that awesome? Can we celebrate that? Come on. Praise God for that. Amen. I'm, I'm thankful this year for all our small group leaders. We've had some amazing small groups. And Some of you may you know be thinking it's December and you know small groups are coming up again uh, in, in the first of the year and you may be thinking, you know, I've been in a group and I've just been thinking maybe I'd like to lead a small group. Would you on your connection card write the word group right there at the top of that connection card. We'll get back with you. If you've been in a group, uh, we can probably train you how to lead your own group, and it'll be a lot of fun for you and for those that are around you. The third thing I praise God for, we've had 20 people that have completed Growth Track, and those folks have not only completed it, but they're serving on a team, and we've got many more that are in progress, some stage of, of it, and so I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about our Dream Team. Our Dream Team is amazing. They have invested thousands of hours this year in the, in the process of preparing and doing all the, the work that needs to be done so that you can come in and you can just experience God's presence and those 49 people can make decisions for Jesus and all of us can take next steps. Can we give a big hand clap for the Dream Team today? Amen. They're, y'all are incredible, all you Dream Teamers. So proud of you. I'm praising God today for our partnership with the Association of Related Churches. We've had a part launching 80 churches this year that have reached hundreds of people on launch day alone and seen, seen thousands in attendance on launch day alone. And every one of you give, you have a part in that. And then through your giving, we've been able to improve our facilities to better serve the community. We've also given to support mission efforts in several countries. Uh, We expanded our annual pastors' conference overseas to allow more leaders to come. And, of course, that costs money because we pay for all the food and all of that transportation to help these village pastors out. And uh, so your generosity has made a huge difference there. But you know what? With all those things that have happened, sometimes we we can go on social media someplace else and we can say, you know what? Compared to what's going on in the world, what we're doing is so insignificant. And some of you, you feel like that in your life too. You say, you know, compared to what somebody else is doing, I feel so insignificant. And I want to share some verses with you that are not only for us as a church, but for you and the individual things that God has called you to to do. And here's what it says in Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. In other words, God is pumped when we take a next step. He's like, come on, take that step. I'm so glad you're doing that. I'm so glad you're obeying me in that way. And so as we go through that process, there's going to be times we're going to feel like giving up. Here's what 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. In other words, stay on what I've told you to do. Keep taking those next steps. Look at this. Always work enthusiastically. How's that? That's with joy. That's an overflowing joy allows you to do that for the Lord. For you know that, look at this, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It's never useless. If you're doing it for the Lord, if your heart is, God, I want to please you, I want to serve you, it's always making a difference for Him, and He's proud of you for that. Amen? Which leads us to the final thought for today, and that is, some of us, we need to know the joy of generosity. Today is Legacy Sunday. Today's the day, the one Sunday a year that we give over and above our regular giving um, intentionally as God leads us to accelerate the impact that God's having through us. And there's not going to be an emotional appeal. There's no no pressure in this. But I just want to remind you of what can be accomplished as we give to the Lord over and above today. So first of all, we're going to give much of it away, but we're going to also use some of it to invest here locally to do a better job here locally of reaching our community. And so this year, the Legacy Offering is going to help improve the children's areas, the stage. We're going to give it away locally to help moms who find themselves pregnant, single moms, and it's a difficult situation. We're going to help launch more churches this year nationally, and then we're going to give it away to help missionaries reach people internationally as well. We're also going to fund that annual pastors conference, which, by the way, uh, happens uh, next month and uh, and we're expecting God to, actually two conferences we're expecting God to do great things in those conferences and we we reach these pastors in these villages and we, we coach them and we train them on different principles to help them and their and their their work in the village. But you may not know this, but several of those pastors host feeding centers that through our missionaries uh, in those feeding centers they're feeding about six hundred kids a week that otherwise would go hungry. And so they keep that those, those places open, and we help coach them and help them to do a great job there. Because I knew you would give, we've already invested in Christmas in the Village, where they take, for every family connected to those feeding centers, they make sure the family has a meal, all the kids have gifts, and then they give them an item that they might need, like a blanket or something like that, because uh, even though it's overseas in Central America, it does get cold on those mountaintops at night. And so we've already done that. And so um, as you've asked God to what you should give and as you do that, here's the promise. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Here's what it says. You will not go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said, you're far happier giving than getting. So giving will not only give you joy, giving will actually make you happy. If you've ever done that and given out of your heart, you'll find that God, really the the spirit of giving at Christmas is, is part of God's plan. Just helped us to know the joy of giving. So well, you can say it this way, generosity unlocks God's joy in us. When it's just all about us, it just gets dry and bitter. When we begin to bless others, it begins to do some amazing things in them. So as we close this morning, some of you today, you may be in a tough place and there's no joy. It's just really a hard time. I want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord and and just ask him to help us tap into that joy this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your joy that if we know you, Father, it's available on the inside of us. Father, today, I pray that we would cast our cares upon you, that we would tap into that joy and that we would experience your joy in ways that we've never before experienced it. Father, for those that are in the middle of the toughest battle of their lives Lord I pray supernaturally that you would give them joy that would sustain them and carry them through to all that you have for them in Jesus name with every head bowed every eye closed maybe you're sitting here this morning you say you know I I probably don't have joy because I've never tapped into a connection with Jesus I want to give you that opportunity today where you would you would just make a decision I'm going to commit my life to Jesus I'm going to surrender to Him and it's really very simple to do. I'm gonna lead us all in a prayer. Those that have already made this decision, they're gonna pray with you. But Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And if you want to, if you want to believe in him today, it's really as simple, it's kind of like a light switch where you just decide, I'm gonna turn it on. The same thing with your relationship with God. I decide today that I'm gonna believe what the Bible says. I'm gonna accept Jesus into my life, and I'm gonna take that step with him. So would we all, could we all just pray this prayer together with those? We're making this decision for the first time. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, say it like you mean it. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I admit I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from my old life and I turn to you. God, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, I ask you, to be my Lord, to be my leader. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.